Well, here we are at the end of, of 2023. The last day, congratulations, we made it another trip around the sun. Almost, we got a few hours left. It's customary, it's customary for many people to create New Year's resolutions, set goals, set, uh, set uh, just things that they want to achieve for the new year. I want to make... I want to make the new year a better one than the last, right? The new year, new me, all the things that we hear and things that go on. Whether or not you set New Year's resolutions, some people do that, some people find them to be kind of hokey, and a lot of times, most of the time, New Year's resolutions are given up on before the first month has been completed. Well, however you approach the new year, I, I just leave that to between you, your family, and the Lord, but I do know that there is one thing in particular that that if you could give yourself to this one thing, it could very well have the greatest impact upon your life if you were to really give yourself to it and focus upon it. It's a certain habit that is increasingly neglected in a time when it is arguably increasingly needed as the world around us continues to decay. We do live in a world of constant change. We face pressures on every side. There's all sorts of things going on in the world around us. And often it begins with our own hearts. We all have internal struggles against the flesh, against sin. The devil would love nothing more than to see us make shipwreck of our faith. And so, as Paul says, he hurls his flaming darts against us to wear us down, to drive us away from our Lord. So there's internal struggles. There's also challenges that we face from people around us, where we work, our families, our classmates, our neighbors. Sometimes these relationships can be challenging. Sometimes they can bring pain. Sometimes they can bring joy, confusion, delight, and sometimes all of those feelings on the same day from the same person. Then there are other things that are going on in the world that affect us. Maybe we do not have much by way of direct control or influence over those things, but they certainly have influence upon us. I think of things going on in our world. I think of things like economic policy. Sure, we can vote for our preferred candidate, and, and we can hope that they make the changes that they promise, that, that we desire to see them make, but ultimately the laws that they pass are largely outside of our individual control, and we live with the consequences of that until some point in the future when things change once again. And yet we still feel the effect of it, do we not? Every day we feel the effects of things all around us. We feel the effect of inflation. We feel the effects of, of the market as it goes up and down. Even if we aren't personally invested in the stock market, we feel the effects of it with the changing prices and the things around us. And it can weigh on us. Then there are global issues. Russia Ukraine, China, North Korea, Hamas, Israel, all of these things can weigh upon our hearts and our minds as well. And for times we can feel like, well, you know, that's, that's things that are happening way over there. That's, that's, that's literally the complete opposite side of the world, right? That's over there and we're over here. And yet the reality is, is that those things do have an effect upon our day-to-day -day lives, whether we realize it or not. Those foreign conflicts can affect us. It affects oil prices. Uh, U.S. troops can be deployed. Uh, one nuke could affect global weather patterns and affect various supply chains around the world. And so we see these conflicts, we see things going on and recognize that it can have a very real effect upon us. And we do not know what the year 2024 holds. We don't know how these conflicts are going to unfold. We don't know which way things are going to, know. We, to go. We don't know how things will happen. The world is an unstable place filled with unstable people. So the question becomes, how do we remain stable in an unstable world? When the boat gets rocked, how do we maintain our sea legs, so to speak? What can each of us be doing in the year 2024 to actively build stability into our lives when the world is such an unstable place? 
Perhaps you don't feel like any of those things affects you greatly. Maybe you feel like, actually, I feel like I'm a, a pretty stable person. I feel like things are going pretty straight and narrow for me. Well, even if that is the case, what, what can we do in 2024 to, to continue to take steps forward within your life? Do you, do you want to see growth within your life? Do you want to see the Lord at work within your life? What can we give ourselves to to see that accomplished within us? The answer to that question has, is not complicated. It's never been complicated, although I'm sure it's never really easy, but it is not complicated. Whether we stand or we fall, whether we're blown around or whether we stay firm on our feet depends on two key factors. First, what is your standing before Almighty God? And second, what is your relationship to His Word? The most fundamental reality for each of us has to begin with our relationship to our Creator. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as the only means of your salvation? That's where everything has to begin. If we do not start there, we are starting in the completely wrong place. Do you recognize your sinful condition between, before a holy God and that your sinful condition is the cause of God's righteous wrath directed towards you? Do you look to Jesus Christ as the one? You know, we just spent the last several weeks thinking about the incarnation of Christ and the significance of what that means with the Christmas season, the nativity, His, His coming into earth, God made flesh. Are you looking to this one, this, this Jesus, the one who entered into the world to die on the cross for our sins? He rose again to life again, and He promises life to ever to all who will repent and believe in Him and Him alone. If you repented of your sins, crying out to God for forgiveness and placing your trust in Him and Him alone, uh, we know that our baptism cannot save us. Giving offering cannot save us. Being in this building on Sunday morning cannot save us. Only the grace of God which comes through faith. That is the only means of our salvation before a holy God. And if we reject that message of the gospel, there are no words of hope for 2024 or, or any year. But for those who do embrace Jesus as Savior, we are given new life. The Spirit of God indwells the believer. He is now at work in your heart, in your life. And do you know what the number one thing that the Spirit uses to affect change in your life? The number one thing that the Spirit of God uses to affect change in your life is the Word of God. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to effect change in the lives of God's people, transforming you into the person that He created you to be. And so it is your relationship to this book, how you engage with the Word of God, that is going to be the number one factor in your life for whether or not 2024 or the years beyond will be years of joy or instability. Your neglect or your attendance to this book will be the the single greatest determiner for how your year goes in the year 2024. And you might ask, okay, how can you possibly know that? How can you really make those kinds of dogmatic assertions how can we really say that is that important? Well, let's, let's open up this book and see what the Word of God has to say about itself, what God has said about His Word. There, there are many passages that we could turn to, to to see the significance of the Word of God and, and what God says about His Word and what it accomplishes, what its effects are, and what it's doing. And truly, I was tempted to, to look at many, many more passages than what we will see today and had to be a little bit selective, and we're going to move pretty rapidly through several texts as we see 
the vastness of what the Word of God does, as we see the nature of the Word of God, the power of the Word of God, the effects of the Word of God. God has said so much about His Word. If I were to take us all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, we find the creative work of God. And, and how does it come about? He speaks, and the world comes into being. It's by the power of His Word. God said, let there be light, and there was light. It happened. It, it just appeared there. And we find that repetition throughout the early portion of the book of Genesis. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. And it, it just keeps unfolding that way. The, the Word of God is powerful. It creates. It brings life. And the Word of God is to be believed. Later in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, when God was speaking to Abraham and He was giving him the promise that he would have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as numerous as the sand on the beach. Genesis 15, 6 says that Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Believing the Word of God, trusting in what God has promised, was accredited to Abraham as righteousness. Paul is going to pick up on that in the New Testament and, and point to the importance of faith in the revealed Word of God. What has God said? Do I believe it? Do I place my trust in that? The Word of God is to be believed. Later on, when God gives the law to Moses, there were the laws, the commandments, all these things were given, and God says to the people, this is, Leviticus 18, verse 5, he says, You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules, and if a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. And we do need to be careful here. Some have taken this verse to mean that, oh, if, if, these, if they do these, if they keep the law of God, if they do this, then they will live. They will have salvation by these things. And so they come to the conclusion that, Israel was saved by keeping the law, that they were saved by works, by, by doing these things. And that's not what's being communicated here. That's not what the meaning of the words, he shall live by them, that's not what it means. The meaning of that is that God has promised them physical blessing and flourishing if Israel would obey the commands that the Lord had given. The law of Moses was given for Israel's blessing for Israel's flourishing. And so what Moses is communicating here is that those who pursued obedience to the law of God, they would live, they would be blessed, they would flourish, they would find provision for themselves and their families. The Word of God, as, as it is obeyed, as we seek to live out our lives, as we try to order ourselves according to the Word of God, there is such wisdom in the Word of God that those who live in obedience find that they live a fruitful life. Now, that is not promise of, of financial prosperity and all these things. That's not the point. But when we order ourselves according to what God has said, we do live fruitful and fulfilled lives. If a, man, if a person does them, he shall live by them. The Psalms are full of references to the Word of the Lord, and there's two in particular that I want to lean into a little bit more today. First, we have Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on His law, He meditates day and night. God's blessing is given through a pursuit of knowing and meditating in the Word of God. 
blessed is the man, or there's some translations that render it as happy. Happy is the one. That's the idea of the word blessing. It speaks of, of a happiness. Happy is the one who forsakes the wicked and instead takes their delight in God's law, in the revealed Word of God. If you delight in the Word, if you give yourself to it, it results in your personal happiness. And I'll explain more about how that works later on. But this is how the book of Psalms opens. That when we pursue the Word of God, when we pursue that, we find the blessing of the Lord. If we're to flip ahead to Psalm 19. In this psalm, this psalm is a beautiful psalm that speaks of both natural revelation and special revelation. Natural revelation, the heavens declare the glory of God and the, the sky above declares His handiwork. And then the second half of Psalm 19, we find the psalmist goes on to write about special revelation, which is the Word of God. And I meant to have it up on the screen, but I failed to do that. The law of the Lord is perfect. This is Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Here the Word of God is referred to in several different ways. The law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the, the precepts, the commandments, the rules. All different names referring to the same thing, the Word of God. And we see the effect that it has. It revives the soul. It, it renews life. God's Word is, is stimulating to us. It gives us life. It makes wise the simple. You know, we don't have to, be, we don't have, to have master degrees in, in Bible theology to benefit from the Word of God. As we study the Word of God, as we give ourselves to it, it, it creates wisdom within us. It, it makes us wise. That word simple makes wise the simple. It refers to just everyday people, everyday individuals, the common person. The Word of God provides sufficient wisdom that those who might have been previously described as simple-minded folk can later be called wise because of time spent in this book. It makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart. When, when the Word of God is read and understood, it, it, will, it will make the heart glad. It will re cause rejoicing to well up within us. Reading the Word of God and studying and seeing the works that God has done and, and worshiping Him for all of His greatness, beholding the, the words of the Lord, the works of the Lord, the character, the nature of our God, and seeing that though we are but sinners, He still loves us and cares for us. That does Cause the heart to rejoice. As we saw from Psalm 1 as well, happy is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. It rejoices the heart. It enlightens the eyes. It helps us to see clearly. Do you, do you want to see clearly? Do you want to have a right understanding of the world around you, to, to rightly view things, to have that, as they say, a biblical worldview, the, a way that we view the world, that we view the circumstances around us, we understand the way things work through a biblical lens? Giving ourselves to the Word of God, it enlightens the eyes. It helps us to see clearly. It helps us to understand the world around us. And the psalmist goes on to say that the Word of God is more valuable than gold. It's sweeter than honey. We are warned against sin by the Word, and keeping the Word brings great reward. 
If we had time, I would love to walk us through Psalm 119. That's a long psalm. That's the longest chapter in the Bible, of course. But it's a, it's a, the entire psalm is about the Word of God and about desiring the Word of God, about pursuing the Word of God, about that the Lord using the Word of God within the psalmist's life. And Psalm 119 begins. It reminds us even of how Psalm 1 begins. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the way of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart. There are several verses from Psalm 119 that you might know well. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. The psalmist describes how the word of God, it guards us against sin, it guides us in life, it brings stability when all the world is against us. It brings stability to our lives. Isaiah wrote about how the Word of God is effective. Isaiah 55, verses 10 through 11. For as the rain, the snow, they come down from heaven. They do not return from there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in, that, in the thing for which I send it. The Word of God doesn't miss. The Word of God doesn't miss. He accomplishes His purpose through His Word. What He intends to accomplish, He accomplishes. The Word of God is powerful. As we come to the New Testament, there are many text that we could look to that find that God communicates in a unique way by He sends Jesus Christ, of course, as Jim read earlier, the Word made flesh. In the beginning was the Word. This is God's communication to mankind in a person, Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But then Jesus, as He lives out His earthly ministry, even as we've seen in the book of Mark and as we see throughout the rest of the gospel narrative as well, as Jesus is leading and teaching the people, He is constantly directing the people back to the written Word of God. It was said, you know it has been said, you know about what has been written. And then towards the end of His life as He is praying for His followers... Jesus has this high priestly prayer, Lord, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth, John 17, 17. He asks that God would sanctify His people to cause them to grow in holiness. How is that accomplished? It's through the word. It's through the scriptures. Our personal holiness will be connected to our relationship to this book. In the epistles, we find why this is the case. Again, these are words that are going to be very familiar to us. These are passages of Scripture we've heard many times over. It is through the Word of God that we have salvation for our souls. Look at Romans 10, 8-9. But what does it say? The Word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, excuse me, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Paul says this is the word of God for your salvation. The, the revelation about Jesus Christ, that is our salvation. He goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The word. It's the power of God. 
2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Again, so familiar of a text for us. All Scripture is breathed out by God. This is what this book is. This is what the Scriptures are. It's the breath of God, His, His communication to us. And it's profitable for all these things, teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness. So that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good This is why God's Word is all the things that the psalmist wrote about in Psalm 19, how, it's, how it accomplishes all these things. It enlightens our eyes. It, it is sweet to us. It is encouraging to us. It makes the heart glad. Because the very Word of God, breathed out by Him, it teaches, it rebukes, it corrects, it trains us to completion so that the Word may equip us for every good Thus, it makes complete sense for different places where Paul has conclusions about how we should think about the Word. I think of Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. We should give ourselves to this. We should be saturating ourselves in the Word. This is what the Word of God produces. This is the effect of the Word. This is the power of the Word. I should give myself to this. This is why Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that His power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. And we gain this knowledge through the Word of God. And so he says later in the same chapter that we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. I've been going incredibly fast through many of these texts of Scripture, and I apologize for that. There's so much more that could be dwelt upon with each individual text, and there are so many more passages of Scripture that would direct our hearts and minds for how we think about the Word of God, why should we give ourselves to the Word of God, what the Word of God accomplishes within our lives. God's Word equips, encourages, it brings joy, it brings stability, it helps us against sin, it guides us in life, it makes us wise, and it is wholly sufficient for our sanctification. So I ask you, are those things that you want in your life? Are these things that you want to see the Spirit of God accomplish in your life? I know for my part that those are things that I want. I, I want those things in my life. I want to see God at work. I want to see Him transform me and continue to build within me. I'm not satisfied with where I am in my spiritual journey. I want to see the Lord do more and build more within me. Sanctified in the truth. I came across two interesting studies this week about the effect of the Word of God and spending regular time in the Word and the effect that that has on individuals. According to one study, uh, those who spend meaningful time in the Word of God at least four times a week were 30% less likely to feel lonely. 30% less likely to have significant anger issues. 32% less likely to have bitterness. 40% less likely to be alcoholic. And 57 to 60%, depending on the specific category, less likely to engage in different forms of sexual immorality, including things of like sex outside of marriage or viewing pornography. They were 200% more likely to share their faith and 230% more likely to be in a discipling relationship with someone else. One of the remarkable details about this study was that the, the single greatest determiner for, for what saw those percentage leaps versus people who were not engaged in the Word was that it took that, that percentage jump happened when the report was, four times or more in a week. See, those who engaged in the Word of God either one to three times saw no significant statistical change in their life versus those who engaged with the Word at least four times 
or more. Those who attended church without engaging in the Word throughout the rest of the week saw no significant statistical difference. The massive jumps were only in those who had meaningfully engaged the Word at least four times a week. A second study we incorporated studying the Scriptures into a treatment program for people who had experienced various trauma, and they saw significant reduction in PTSD, depression, anxiety, and a significant increases in feelings of hope, forgiveness, and a sense of purpose in life. Now, these are studies. These are, these are observational studies, right? They're, they're relying upon people, and they're reporting back, and they're taking note of all the data. They're, they're trying to have a control group, and they're doing all of these things. But truly, the results of those studies really should not surprise us. As we think about all that the Word of God is, we think about the nature of the Word of God, its power. We think about the effect of the Word of God within the believer's life. God has told us what His Word would accomplish, so it's no wonder that those who give themselves to a regular diet on the Word will see these kinds of results in their lives. We don't need these sociological studies to have confidence in the Word of God. But it sure is interesting that the data bears it out, isn't it? I can even just tell you anecdotally from my own life, I can testify that that when I am more disciplined within my own life in my areas of personal Bible reading and prayer and spending time with the Lord, I am more resilient against the various temptations that come against me in the world. I find more joy in my life. And I also know that the times where I have fallen into sin... It is invariably at a time when I have neglected these disciplines. And again, this should not be surprising to us. This is what the Word of God does within us. This is, this is what it accomplishes. Now, I just want to make a few notes about things that I am not saying today. I do believe in the virtues of the Word of God. I do believe in the power of the Word of God. I believe in all of these things that I've just said, but I do not want to communicate that just reading your Bible is like some magic cure-all, that if you just do this, it's like taking a magic pill and all your problems will be done. I'm not saying that all your troubles will end if you just start reading your Bible already. Now, you might find that some of your troubles end because you might find as you dig into the Word areas of your life that are out of step with what God has commanded and you find that, oh, by correcting those things, well, what do you know? Those troubles were of my own making because of my own shortcomings and failings and that by ordering myself according to the Word of God will eliminate some trouble because it's actually my own fault for bringing that trouble into the world in the first place. But there are many troubles that will remain because we do live in a fallen world. I am not saying that your troubles will end by giving yourself to a study of the Word. But I am saying that if you pursue the God of the Scriptures through studying His Word, that you will be equipped to face those troubles that you will be given the strength to weather the storm in such a way that honors the Lord through the hardship. 2nd I'm also not saying that the effects will be instant. That if you just start reading your Bible in the next 30 days, everything will change in your life completely, boom, by by the end of that time, by spring, it's all done, and hey, you're good to go. Our spiritual lives are a marathon, they're not a sprint. It takes time. Sometimes I like to think of it as like investing with compound interest. You hear those, that, that concept talked about when you're investing in like a, a, an IRA or something like that. There's compound interest. The more you invest in, the interest adds to it and it compounds and you get interest upon interest and it builds. Well, you don't see the fruit of that immediately, right? You, you, your retirement account doesn't grow by leaps and bounds right away. It takes time, it takes consistently for that investment to pay off, for the compounding to begin. And there's a similar truth with the Word of God. You can see changes effect immediately if you are giving yourself to it and you're willing to make those changes, but so often it takes consistency in the the time in the Word 
that God would begin to reshape us and to build new habits and new patterns into our lives. But over time, that consistency pays off, and we begin to see that change happen within us to greater and greater degrees. Third and finally, I'm not suggesting here this morning that building a discipline of, of daily Bible intake into your life is an easy thing that's just like a light switch. Well, I wasn't doing it before, and just flip on the switch, and now I'm doing it. Oh, isn't life better? I'm not suggesting that. Especially in the context that this is a spiritual discipline, you can expect to face spiritual warfare as you encounter seeking to build a habit and a pattern in your life of Scripture intake. It can be challenging to get started, and I hope to provide some tools for you today to help you in the journey of, of seeking to begin some of these habits if they are not within your life already. But I can promise you that the more you work at it, the more you discipline yourself for it, that the more natural it becomes to engage in that discipline. It's just like any habit that needs to be broken or any habit that needs to be built. The more we give ourselves to it, yeah, we're going to fall off the wagon, right? But the more we stand ourselves up and get back on the wagon, it, it just begins to build that habit within our life. Think of it like in a muscle when you begin exercising or you work a muscle that you've not worked for a while, yeah, you're going to be sore at first. You're going to be tempted to give it a rest because it's difficult to keep going. But if you just press on through and you just keep working at it, that soreness goes away and strength begins to be built. And the more you keep at it, the more benefit you will see. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is effective. The Word of God produces change. The Word of God brings stability. As you seek to incorporate Scripture into your life in the year 2024, I have just several practical encouragements to leave you with today. I gave each of you a copy of that book, A Primer on Biblical Literacy. And if anybody still needs a copy, I'd, I'll get you a copy as well. This book contains many practical encouragements for engaging the Word. It seeks to equip you with the knowledge of why it is important to know the Word of God, how knowing the Word of God equips you for life. There are many illustrations and examples in there for individuals who did not have biblical literacy. They did not know the Word of God, and so they were led astray into various false teachings and things of their, in their lives. It's a simple book. It's easy to read. I encourage you to, to read it, to make that a priority in your life. Second, on the back table, I, there are several printouts of different Bible reading plans. It's been said that if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. Well, here's some plans. Uh, different ones that for different uh, different. Different plans uh, appeal to different people in different ways. Different people are at different places where uh, if you have never given yourself to this, if you do not have this habit within your life, I encourage you to start very simply. To start very simply. There's a plan up here which is just reading the New Testament. Not the whole Bible, just the New Testament in one year. It's, it's called a five-by-five-by-five plan. Five days a week. And it's for the most, most days, it's one chapter a day. And you give yourself to that and just read the Word of God. And there's some instructions on here as well to spend the, some time in prayer and to reflect on the reading that you have in front of you. If it feels like reading through the entire New Testament in a year is taking too long, you could also, there's a six-month New Testament reading plan as well. It is also roughly one chapter, sometimes two chapters a day, but you don't have, it, it's, it's every day of the week. It's not two days off, right? So it's every day of the week, but you can still get through the entire New Testament in six months. There's an entire Old Testament whole year reading plan. So you read through the entire Old Testament. If you've never read through the entire Old Testament, it would be a great thing to do as well. Read through the entire Old Testament in a year, and then a chronological reading plan as well. Sometimes a chronological reading plan is helpful to keep the storyline of the Bible in place. You, you know, our, believe it or not, our 
You open up the Bible, the canonical books, the order that's there, it's not always in historical order. Well, the chronological order seeks to try to put it in historical order to help you read through that way to keep the storyline straight. So there's some reading plans, and if none of those tickle your fancy, BibleReadingPlanGenerator.com. It was up on, there was a QR code at the beginning of the service. It was up on the slide that you could scan that with your phone. If you need a link, I can send that out as well. And you can literally make your own custom Bible reading plan that fits your lifestyle, that fits what you want to accomplish. Whatever you do, have a plan. Know what you're going to do so that you know how to approach reading the Scriptures. It's never, you're never sitting down just flipping, oh, what should I read today? No, you have a plan to read the Word of God. I know for my own life, I personally find six-month plans are, are more effective for me. It, it, it's, it's a smaller chunk. It gives me a closer end date, and I can push on through those. And I like to read six days a week. I usually will take Sundays off. Whatever you do, create a plan and stick to it. Third, third, decide what time is best for you to read. For most people, I think it is really best to read early in the morning. First thing in the morning, you get up, you give yourself to the Word of God. For me, personally, my mind is quiet. All the things, all the tasks of the day haven't yet pushed into my brain. I'm not thinking about all the things going on in the world yet. As long as I don't pick up my cell phone, that's key, as long as I don't pick that up and start flooding my mind with all the things that are happening, all the social media posts, all those sorts of things, as long as I leave that aside for a few moments, my mind will be quiet and I'll be ready to receive the Word of God for myself. If that's not you, if, if early in the morning, if first thing is not the best time for you, decide, figure out what is the best time and set that side of time to give yourself to the Word of God that you can focus and read with clarity and understanding. I encourage you to begin with prayer. Lord, give me understanding today as I read. Help me learn from you. Help me understand more about you. Help me worship you as I read through this today. As you do your reading, you may highlight passages. You might underline things that are significant. You, maybe you have questions about something that you're reading. You can take note of confusing details. Feel free to reach out. Hey, I was reading this. I, I, I'm confused about this. Can you give me any resources to help me understand this better? I'd be more than happy to help you sort through some challenging texts. And finally, it's good to spend a few minutes afterward reflecting upon what you've read, and instead of just checking boxes and going on with the day, oh, yep, got that task accomplished, setting it aside. No, just sit and reflect over what you've read and consider pray and ask the Lord to strengthen you and to live as He has directed in His Word. Some people struggle staying on task, and sometimes I think audio Bible can help. You can put, read as you're listening and you just follow along through as the narrator is reading the Scripture. I think that's helpful. I think it's also helpful to have pause ready so that if you come across something that strikes you as interesting, you're like, oh wow, what did I just read? You can just pause for a minute and just spend a little bit of time reflecting on what you've just read without being forced to continue on so quickly. And then when you're ready, press play and continue on. This is something that I encourage all of us to engage in, pursue for the year 2024, to have a plan and to pursue knowing God's Word better. Some time ago, I was asked why I decided to pursue ministry. Why would I spend my time studying the Word and trying to teach it to others? And it really came back to two key things. One, is I really do believe this book is the Word of God. I really do believe that it has the power to change lives. And if this is the Word of God, if this is God's communication to mankind, I, first of all, I want to know what it says for myself. I want to know what God, the creator of all things, who, who has sent Jesus Christ in the world, who, who desires to be in relationship with me, to, to transform me into the image of Christ, I want to know what He has said for me. And if I can help others understand that as well, yes, I want to give myself to that. And secondly, I have personally seen how God has used this book to change my life 
take patterns of, of sin that were once part of my life and, and to re- remove them from me. And I'm not saying that claiming to be a perfect person by any stretch of the imagination, but, but there were so, such deeply ingrained patterns of sin in my life that were felt so hopeless to remove. I spent times in despair over that sin. And God in His graciousness, because of this word that He has given, He has removed that. He has used the word of God to challenge me, to convict me, and to equip me to remove that from my life. And, and I see that, and I, I praise God for that. And I, not only have I seen that within my own life, I've seen that in the lives of, of others. And I want more individuals to see the power of the Word of God at work in their hearts and in their lives. And anything that I can do to encourage that process, I want to do that. And so I'm seeking to encourage us in this discipline for the year 2024. One final passage I want to look at is from Isaiah. I've actually lost it here. <laughs> I didn't have this in my notes. It just came to me that this was just such a fitting text to conclude on, and now I'm having trouble finding it. Well, the gist of the matter is this. Individuals, they were seeking to discern what they ought to do, how, how should we go, what, what things should we do. And they were inquiring of things, oh, here, I found it now. Sometimes you just got to keep talking and then you'll find it, right? Yeah. The people of Israel were seeking sources of information. They were seeking guidance from places where they ought not to have been looking. They were not looking to the Lord. They were looking to things of this world for their guidance, things of this world. And so Isaiah challenges them. He says, this is Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter. These individuals were looking for these these spiritists, these individuals who would speak to the dead, they believed that, that, the, that the dead possessed more knowledge because they were dead. They could see more things, these, these spirits. And so they'd say, oh, you must, you must speak to these necromancers. You must speak to them so that they would inquire of the dead. They would, they would inform us. They would teach us about what things that we don't know about. It says they would chirp and they would mutter. And that, that refers to these noises that these these wizards would speak, that they would claim to be the, the voices of the spirits, would be chirping and muttering, making these sounds through them. God says, no, there's nothing but noise there. And then He challenges them. Say to them, they, they want to inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? to the teaching, and to the testimony. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They have no light. Isaiah challenges the people. Why are you looking for a word from the Lord from anywhere except for from the Lord? He has given you His Word. Why are you inquiring of the dead on behalf of the living? And in context, they're literally inquiring of the dead through the necromancers. But today we look for sources of truth and sources of information from from everywhere in the world, and the world is spiritually dead. Should not a people inquire of their God? Should not they look into His Word, the things that He has already told them, the things that He has revealed for them? And He says, if anyone will not speak according to this, it's because they do not have light. Brothers and sisters, I want to know more of God and His Word. I want to know the Word and I want to know the God of the Word. And I want you to have the same thing. This is why we spend so much time 
in, in the Word as part of our gathered assembly week in and week out. Sometimes I preach a little longer than other preachers. <laughs> we have Scripture reading. When we reflect on the Lord's table, we're going to the Scriptures. When we're singing psalms, we're singing Scripture. All of our other hymns and choruses and other songs, so often they are informed and the lyrics come from Scripture. When we gather on Wednesday night, we're studying the Scripture. When we pray in our prayer times in the morning, it is guided by the Word of God, all of it, because this is what the Word of God accomplishes. This is what we want to be saturated in. We want to inquire of our God and see Him transform us from the inside out. So I encourage you with that. I challenge you with that. And I pray that the Lord would give us a very blessed year in 2024. Even with trials, even with hardships. Nearer, my God, to Thee. It starts with your relationship to this. Father, I thank you for the time we can gather together today and be challenged by these things. Lord, I do not want to stand up here and preach as a man who has it all figured out, who never misses a day in his Bible reading. Lord, I do miss days. I miss weeks at a time sometimes. I have lacked discipline at various points in my life, and I am continually challenged and reminded of the need of my dependence upon you and the need to direct myself back to you and to give myself to this discipline. I do not stand here before these people preaching as though I do not need to hear this message myself. Lord, I pray for my own heart. I pray that that you would strengthen me in this resolve. I pray that these pursuits would yield fruit within my life, and I pray the same for every single person in this room here today and every, anyone hearing me online, that you would be at work in and through your word, conforming us to the image of Christ, renewed in our minds, Lord, I pray that, that this encouragement would not come across as a legalistic burden to anyone. I pray, Lord, that we would never feel weighted down by, by the need to spend time in your word as though it was a chore that we just had to, to muscle up and grind through. Lord, it doesn't have to be that way. I pray that we would take delight in your word. That we would find it sweeter than honey, more valuable than gold. That, that as we give ourselves to it, as we seek to understand it and, and wrestle through even challenging texts, Lord, that it would just enlighten our eyes, gladden our hearts. And that it truly would be a joyous thing for us to recount as we consider at the end of this next year, as we look back on the year 2024, should you tarry? that we would be able to see and identify how you have used your word to shape us, transform us, make us more like Jesus Christ. I pray all of this in the name of your, Savior, of your Son, Jesus Christ, and our Savior, our Lord.